What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 167. This is going to be the last episode before we are at spring training, before we have spring training games, I believe, as well. I think this will probably be the last one that comes out. And the boys are going to be down at spring training in Port St. Lucie. So if you, if you see us, make sure you come say hello. We'll talk about that a little more in a second here. We also have a great interview with Jeffrey Ballone, head of Mets Fix. He created a Mets newsletter. We talked to him about the newsletter as well as what the Mets are looking like in the upcoming season. And a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of fun Mets conversation here. It's baseball season. We're super excited to bring you this episode. Make sure you're following us on all our social media, at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, go subscribe to the New York Mets channel. You'll be able to see it there. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, whatever it is, download the podcast, subscribe, drop us a rating, drop us a review. We'd love to see them. James, how you been, man? What's going on? Been good, same old. Also, if anybody's listening on Spotify and you take a little look at the the messed up logo, you might notice something different. Yeah. A little touch up, a little crisper colors here. A little the boy, the boys are the boys are going big league for twenty twenty three. Tell let us know if you like it, you know, in the comments, Twitter, or just give another five star review on Spotify because you know how much we love those. It's that official New York Mets podcast. Now, now it looks like you know a real logo is made, not one that I got from Fiverr for like five dollars when we first started this thing. Which, by the way, what a what a great logo that was. RIP to that logo. But the new one, it's it's clean. It's a really really good look, and hopefully we can make some merch and stuff out of it too. It looked great on a t shirt. We'll definitely get some more stickers sometime soon. If anybody has the original Mets stub stickers, you guys will always know you were special. You were the day ones. You were the homies. Now that we're going, now we're really getting big time here. The new logo stickers will be cool, but. Man, I'm excited to go to spring training. We're ready to roll. We're ready to roll. Excited to go down to Port St. Lucie. Never been. Never been to Mets spring yeah. training. I've done every team in Arizona. I've done most of the teams in Florida. Weirdly have not been to Port St. Lucie. Very excited. Very excited. Not not just to you know go see some baseball, but the fact that we're going to be a little bit behind the scenes talking to some players and getting some interviews and just watching them work out. like That to me is like a, as a baseball nut, as a guy who's a coach baseball, can't wait to see what it looks like. And I'm also just excited to just like be there. Like we're kind of going to be a, a part of it. Like last year was kind of a new experience for us to like, you know, have our field passes, be able to watch batting practice, like hang out in the media cafe. And now we're just going to like, we're just going to be more, all the more normal. Or those, the podcasting guys are here. Like that's just kind of part of the whole identity now, which is amazing just for the two of us. And also great weather. We're going to be able to go to the beach. We're going to be hanging out, hanging out with our friends, John and Vito. It's going to be an awesome time. Can't wait. Can't wait to see 80 degree weather. The sun glistening on my skin. I can't wait to get burnt. I'm so excited. I think we're missing like one of the last cold weekends possibly as well. Maybe in New York. It doesn't doesn't look great for you guys if you're in the area right now. It looks like it's going to be cold and maybe a little bit wet, but it should be nice and sunny down in Port St. Lucie, which I'm just, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's oh God, it's gonna be this is gonna be a great time. I can't believe we, neither of us have ever been to spring training. As big of Mets fans as we are, and how big of Mets fans our family are, how the hell have we never gotten there? I can give you I can give you reasons. You ready for this? Yeah. So at least at least for me, one, March, everything that's going on in March and February, like that's that was me getting ready for like high school baseball or yeah. club baseball or whatever it was. Couldn't really miss those. And then when you got to college, March, February, like one, you have like your spring break. You're probably going somewhere with all your friends and with all due respect to Port St. Lucie. I don't think that's necessarily a hot spot for a bunch of 20 year old guys to go hang out, you know, on their spring break. And two, I, I just feel like you're just in the thick of college. Like, and we've had the weird, we've had the weird spring trainings the last few years as well. There really hasn't been an opportunity. It's actually funny you say that because my buddy Reed, who I brought up in this show a few times, he used to listen to us, but doesn't anymore since we went Hollywood. He actually one time linked up with either one or a few of his friends from his hometown, and they actually did go to Florida spring training. And he was mentioning, I don't think he was at the Mets facility, but he did, I think, stop by the Mets for a little bit. It was 2016-ish, 2017, not important. 
But you remember he told me one crazy story about just like sitting at a spring training and like talking with this, this just like older gentleman for like an hour, two hours, like most of most of a spring training game. And he said eventually like they got to like names introducing themselves. And he was sitting next to Taylor Swift's dad watching baseball for an entire whoa, day. Whoa, isn't that whoa. isn't that insane? Literally. That's how have you not told me this story before? That's insane. I don't know. It just never came up, I guess. But yeah, he just sat there, just had an entire day's worth of conversations with uh, Mr. Swift. That's, which is what a, what a great what a great uh, prefix and name that is, Mr. Swift. Mr. Swift, yeah, that's a, that's a clean name right there. I I'm really excited too because it's gonna feel like baseball season. I feel like is is officially starting. You're gonna hear the crack of the bat, the clacking of the cleats. How many straight episodes is Mark gonna say that this is the time? I'm really excited. Baseball's officially starting. I think it's six in a row. What? What are you? Are you not a baseball fan? You don't feel like the season's getting started? No, I too? love it. But you can't say it every single time. Now baseball's officially begun. You <laughs> six oh, episodes I'll... in a row. I'll say it until opening day that baseball has <laughs> officially started. And it, it has. I'm just so excited. I'm super excited. I'm also hoping we see some of you guys down there as well in Port St. Lucie. I know the Mets fans travel very well, especially to Port St. Lucie. So if you're down there, you see us, come say what's up. We'd love to talk to you. Maybe maybe James has a sticker or two. I don't know. He's a sticker keeper here. I have a couple. I do actually recently found a couple legacy stickers that I had given to my sister, and they were just still on her dresser back in New Jersey. So I just grabbed them wow. all back. So I, I will remember yeah. after this, right after we get off with the mics here, I'm going to put right first thing I'm going to put in my bag. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be down there. Uh, the Seven Line's going to be down there as well. You guys know we're, we're really close and friendly with Darren, who runs the Seven Line. They're awesome. I think they're having like a pre-opening day for spring training party at like Hop Life Brewery, I believe it's called, in uh, Port St. Lucie at like 5 o'clock. So we'll, we'll be there as well having some fun. And you'll see them on Saturday. I'm sure they're going to be tailgating and having a good time. Uh, if you guys have an opportunity to talk to Darren, do anything with the Seven Line, you should. It's a ton of fun. Probably one of the most fun experiences I've ever had was going to a game with them. So excited to see them down there. And I feel like it's kind of just time for us to get into the interview with Jeff and talk more Mets baseball for you guys. So here's that interview. Hope you enjoy it. Get up, get, get up, get up. JB, otherwise known as Jeff Ballone, the author, creator, founder of the very popular newsletter, Mets Fix. You can also find him at MetsFix.com and I believe on Substack. So first of all, JB, Jeff, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going good. Excited for baseball to be back and excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, baseball almost is back. We've we've been keeping track of Mets Fix for the last couple of weeks now, and now we're back at spring training. So there's been, there's been some great content there you've had in there. What do you think, what's the new storyline you're most looking forward to coming into the Mets this spring? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the the position battles that stick out, whether it's, you know, at, at DH or, um, you know, figuring out what they end up doing with third base, even though I don't think it's as much of a question as people think, um, you know, obviously injuries could happen that, that uh, changes things. But I guess for me, it's not so much spring. And I guess this tells you how this Mets team is different than, than others we followed over the years. It's about getting into the, finally just getting into the season and seeing what this team can do. Um, you know, the roster is pretty similar. Obviously they made some splashy, you know, a splashy addition in a rotation. Um, but I'm, <laughs> it, it's like the, the curse of being a good team is now the things you used to get excited about in the spring about, you know, who's going to win this spot matters less now because it's about, you know, what are the, the main guys going to do when the season starts? No, hundred percent. I mean, the, the Mets, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. The expectations are super high. We think it's a really good team. Everything is 
you know, leading towards hopefully a World Series championship at the end of the year. And what's really nice, too, is that our owner, Steve Cohen, seems to be completely all in. I think uh, I saw in your newsletter today, like a, a bunch of quotes from him. And basically, he's like, yeah, I'm, when I'm all in, I'm all in. Like, I'm, I'm going for it. And that's what we're doing with the Mets here, which I, I feel like you got to love to hear as a Mets fan. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I was I was out. My kids had the you know days off this week, and I didn't see, I didn't hear Cohen's quotes live. But my dad texts me, and it's just we have the best owner in sports, you know. <laughs> and it's just because when you hear him say that stuff, um, it's hard not to get excited. I think what you know you're talking about, like what's interesting, what's exciting. But what's interesting to me is how does that possibly change, right? Because right now, let's face it, Cohen can't do anything wrong. Um, you know, everything is great. You know, we're all feeling good. I think like Cohen said, having good vibes going into the season. Um, but now there's expectations and with expectations, obviously that sets you up for potential disappointment. So I think, um, it'll be interesting to see how, um, the fans react right to this season. Like are, are you, are people expecting they're going to go out and win 101 again? That, that could be tough, but also even how does Cohen react, right? Like how right now it's easy because we haven't played any meaningful games yet, but what happens if they start, you know, 10 and 15 or something like that? Um, I, th I think that's going to be what's most interesting to see. I love how you preface that like whole that, that sentence with my dad texted me these quotes. Cause I feel like that's kind of the same <laughs> thing that like Mark and I go through. And I'm sure a lot of other people listening to this podcast is like, yeah, I missed that. I was busy yeah. that day. Oh, good. My dad texted me the newest mess information, but there were some other yeah. quotes that you had in the fix yesterday. I guess it was today. Yeah, it was today, 21st, from Cohen that I think like really have like show the starkest difference between this ownership and the last ownership where they basically said they're expecting to lose a couple a couple hundred million dollars of food from the team this year. And he's like, right. Yeah, cost of doing business. Like, what else can we do about it? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's unreal where it felt like before, you know, previous ownership, you know, you're, you're pinching pennies, like any little savings that you could find. And, you know, there's some teams you know, where they're, where they're even manipulating guys on split contracts, you know, you get paid different if they're in the majors versus the minors and they're, they're, they're even counting the number of days, you know, people are up based on that. So um, yeah, again, it, it's just amazing that the Mets are in this position. I think, you know, as I keep coming back to it, it sort of changes your perspective as a fan. We're not used to this, um, but I think we'll, we'll gladly take it. Right. How has, the Mets success, new ownership. I mean, they're, they're super involved in something. It seems like every single day affected what you do with Mets fix. Uh, and you can also explain a little bit more maybe to the people as well, like what exactly it is. Yeah. And I think all content creators can relate to this or even, you know, the beat where there's beat writers, bloggers, or people who just comment on Twitter. I mean, with the Mets now, there's something to talk about every single day. Um, so I started this newsletter um, coming out of the pandemic, ironic enough. And, you know, you weren't sure quite yet at that time, like, you know, what, how things were going to go. Um, but it's really made it where the Mets are an easy team to do this with because even, you know, during off season, they're a top story, right? Like every single day, cause we, we try to write, you know, even in the off season and, you know, you could have been a team that maybe you signed that one free agent and then that's it. You know, we're with the Mets. It's literally every free agent that, is possible it's you know it, or i should say every free agent it's possible the mets could be in on right um you know even recently with zach Britton, right he has a showcase well of course the mets are one of the teams that are there so i think what it's been helpful because it creates a lot of content and obviously it heightens people's interest so 
you know, the timing, you know, selfishly for the newsletter, it has been perfect. Hey, listen, we, we've we've had some good timing with it, too. The Mets started to get good. We got the podcast. Now we're with the team. There's, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of a good situation here as well. Yes, right, right. And also, literally, we started it like a year out of the pandemic, like right before the 2021 okay. season. So I'm sure that was kind of similar timing as when you started this, huh? Was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the thing, too, is then we had the lockout, right? So it was like we finally get through all the, the stuff with the pandemic and now it's okay. There's a whole off season of literal darkness because because of the lockout. So it's been really nice this off season to have it where you know they're actually playing. It's actually normal. But then also the Mets being very active. Uh, I guess it was rewarding for all of us who who were doing it through those cold days. In in the Mets fix, I'm like I, I, we've been looking at them and like they're very dense but not overwhelming. How how do you like decide what should go in there and what shouldn't? Because I mean, th there's so much stuff, and yet I'm not. I, I want to read all of it. I'm not like I don't need to hear about this. Oh no, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, and I think that's sort of the balance we're trying to keep, right? Where it's like on the one hand, you know, we have a lot of uh, I'll say casual fans who subscribe, who you know they're busy with their everyday lives, and they're just like, give me something that just tells me the main things that happen. You know, so for them, the way we start the newsletter for people who haven't read it is we give sort of a rundown of all the top news, but not just a rundown where it's just like a one sentence thing. Try to add some context. Um, so that's how we create that balance where it's not too dense. But then we also um, add like an in-depth analysis piece. Um, so that's where if you want to go deeper, you know, we'll dive into whether it's advanced metrics, whether it's even some like video review on, you know, change, change of swings or mechanics by a pitcher. Um, so we try to kind of offer both. So depending on what you're looking for, you know, it's there for you. It's also just funny to think about the fact that if this was another team, even in professional sports, like if this was the Kansas City Royals newsletter or if this was the, the even the Denver Broncos newsletter, you can't even imagine you'd be able to get this dense of meaningful information on a daily basis. And also just how well put together this for you. Is this your first foray into a newsletter or do you have other others that you write? Uh, so it actually started with the Knicks. Uh, so the first thing I did was called Knicks Film School. And that was just, it started as a Twitter account, right? Where we'd break down uh, video of different players. And, and Frank Nilekina was, um, you know, again, dark, we we're talking about dark times. It was dark yeah. times with the Knicks. Uh, so, you know, he was a good defensive player and the type of player that you couldn't necessarily see in, you know, in real time how he was contributing. So we would make like videos to break down the little things he was doing. And then that just kept growing. And then my partner, Jonathan Macri and Andrew Claudio and some others, they've sort of just taken that and run with it in with a newsletter as well. Um, and, and then similar to the Mets, like we're talking about the Knicks, it's like um, there's always something there, right? There's always something to talk about. So they're, I guess, two unique teams that, you know, they, there's, there's, they're always going to be on the top of the conversation. Um, we've also done it for the Islanders. So Joe Buono uh, writes that newsletter. It's called Isles Fix. Um, and, uh, you know, the, ironically, there's been a lot going on with them lately, too, with the new arena and recently with the big trade. So, so we have done it with other teams and, um, you know, the Mets was really an extension off the original Knicks concept. We, me and James, you know, content creators, I'm full-time, James does it as well. Uh, how did you get this thing off the ground? Because the, the way we come from is like from making YouTube videos or writing articles for like a bigger publication. How did you really get Mets fix out to the people? 
Yeah, no, it was um, mostly just organic or entirely organic um, where, you know, we had a Twitter account. I mean, luckily with Nick's Film School, you know, we had some crossover there. So that's really where it started, just from popularity from Nick's Film School and saying, OK, we're going to do this now for the Mets. Uh, people are joking, I guess, you know, I only do blue and orange teams with the Knicks, Mets <laughs> and Islanders. Um but it, it was on social. And then we, you know, we got lucky a little bit uh, along the way. Uh, Gary Cohen mentioned it on one of the telecasts one night. Uh, Howie Rose randomly tweeted it out. So, um, you know, we got lucky with with things like that. But but really, it's just been through old fashioned word of mouth and, and social media, I guess. What was your reaction when Gary shouted you out? I mean, were you watching it live? Like, how does that feel? Yeah, it's funny. So I was watching, I'm trying to remember, I was watching the game, but a lot of times when I'm watching, I'll have the volume like halfway because I'll start drafting the newsletter. So if I want to like think uh, at all clearly, I, you know, I try to have the sound down because I might also have like one of my kids in the background. Um, but yeah, it's like all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up with people texting me. And then so, so because I did have it on, I used the DVR to go back to actually like hear it. Um, but yeah, it was just crazy. You know, the, the fact that, you know, that, that means more than like the number of subscribers or anything like that, just to, to know, like he was reading it, um, which I didn't, I didn't even realize at the time, um, was really cool. That's really cool. That's just like an amazing piece of recognition that like, Oh, this person, I watch this person, this person watches me too. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's humbling for sure. And you also had so much, I'm sure, to talk about the last few weeks with the, the Keith negotiations just to keep in the, in the fix. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think we all were thinking it would be hard to imagine that wouldn't uh, work out, you know. But um, but no, absolutely. Glad to see he's back. And um, that's when you know it's like, it, it, again, I guess referencing my dad, and that's where my Mets fandom obviously started from him. But he always says jokes. He's like, you know, everyone comes out of woodwork when baseball season comes back. So it's all these characters you kind of forget about. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, you know, here, here's Gary, Keith and Ron. Here's the beat writers. You know, you're watching SNY pregame. And um, it's like all your friends, you know, coming back that you spend all this time with uh, that, that disappeared during offseason. So, so it's exciting knowing Keith is back. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited to have Keith back, too, on the broadcast. He's one of the best. You talked about you, you root for all orange teams, respectively, here, but or blue and orange, I should say. Football, though. Where are you going football-wise? Because, I mean, there's uh, a blue and orange is, in New York. Football is Jets. Yeah, so there, yeah. there's the, uh, you know, it kind of makes sense if you think about it uh, with, with the teams, right? Um, but, yeah, so football is Jets. Um, and my dad's actually been a long season ticket holder for them. So, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what happens with the quarterback situation here. And hopefully, uh, cause you know, I think they do, they obviously have a good young team and if, if they can figure that out, we could finally have a fun season next year. It's funny. You actually have the perfect arrain, arrangement of teams you root for, like the way it was like actually ordained and supposed to be the Mets, the Jets, the Islanders and the Knicks. Like this, this was it. This is how they envisioned it. I do have to be honest with the, uh, so we have Isles fix, but I'm actually not an Islanders fan. I'm randomly a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Whoa. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Content. So that one, that is the one that is, uh, like I said, we have the newsletter, but yeah, the Leafs. And it's strange because the Leafs and the Knicks have a lot of similarities. They're both like historic teams, huge fan bases, but haven't won a championship in forever. Um, somehow I got stuck with both. I was originally a Hartford Whaler fan because I'm from Connecticut. They moved. And when they moved, we got like the hockey package on, uh, on DirecTV and we'd watch Hockey Night in Canada. And it was like 
just totally different watching, you know, watching that. So, so I got into the Leafs and I went to school up there, but yeah. So technically that's the one that's kind of out in left field to not to ruin your point about the perfect connection, but yeah. <laughs> All right, James, ask your question. Ask your question. I know you've been waiting for this one. All right, Jeff. So you said your three favorite teams ever here. It's the Mets, it's the Jets, and the Knicks. You have, you know, your affiliation, content creation for two of those three teams. So I have to ask, Mary kill, Mets, Jets, Knicks. I'm going to kill the Jets. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the the easy one. Um, You got to marry the Mets, right? Because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, with with Cohen, I think you feel good, the the long run of their success. And then then that leaves the Knicks, which it makes sense because the Knicks, they are that like, not to get too deep into question, but they're more, they, they are that passion drive, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah. there's nothing like when the Knicks are actually good um, and the garden is rocking, like it, it's hard to beat that energy. Um, so, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, they, they bring the heat. They bring the heat. I mean, City, City Field's rocking for 81 games a year. The Knicks, it's a very, very small, short period of time where it's like, I got, I got to get to the garden. No matter if they're good or bad, it's going to be, a, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Although I will say what's neat about the Mets is that, you know, and this obviously could change, but I always say the best New York teams or the best crowds are the teams on the way up. You know, yes. it's like when the Knicks got, um, first got Amari and they're making that run, like there was nothing like that. Right. And the Mets, that's sort of where they are right now. And in City Field is what I think, you know, Yankee Stadium sort of used to be, where it was like a real unique place to go because of the crowd. And I feel like City Field has that right now because, yeah, the Mets are the big market team to everyone else and they're spending all this money to everyone else. But to Mets fans, we're still the the underdog, right? So yeah. uh, it creates, I think, that great energy, which I, which I, you know, I really like. Today's actually just randomly the 12th anniversary of the Knicks trading for Carmelo Anthony as well, February 21st, as we're recording oh, that when right. you guys are listening to it. Yeah, I just okay, I know that's yeah. stu- stupidly run social media accounts. So you got to just know the anniversaries of everything when you're when you're running accounts for stuff. I want to pull it back to the Mets now coming into the season. Something we've liked to talk about a lot last few episodes of this show is like identifying the X factors, the difference makers, you know, not the Pete, not the Lindor, not the Max, not the Verlander, but the guys who are maybe a little bit maybe off the beaten path, a little bit more under the radar from, let's say, the casual fan who's going to make a big difference. So if you had to pick the X factor for the Mets of 2023, who would be your choice? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I'll pick the, I'll pick a player and then a group. So, like, the player, I think, is Vogelbeck. Um, if you look at his projections, um, they're actually pretty optimistic. Uh, Pakoda and Zips from Fangraphs, uh, they're actually pretty optimistic. So I think if, you know, you have him, a full season in his right platoon role. Um, and if he meets those projections, then, you know, I think that makes a big difference in lengthening the lineup. Obviously, you know, they'll have to figure out the other side there, but um, I am hopeful that if, if Darren Ruff can kind of carry us maybe like a month, um, then you can see if the young guys are ready to come up and, you know, and, and do something there. Um, I'm actually doing a piece for tomorrow morning. Ruff was talking to reporters today about, um, you don't always see this from a player, especially uh, almost a year later, but he was saying he hit a lot of foul balls that could have been home runs yes. last year. Best right? foul balls in baseball. And, yeah. It's like, uh, so I was actually going through looking up, you know, the foul balls that he hit and to give people an idea of the type of stuff we'll do in the newsletter. And there was a, there was a game and I didn't remember this one when I pulled it up, but it was against the Braves. And he just missed a home run off Max Fried. That was the Friday night 
where the Mets went down. It was, I think it was Taiwan, eight, eight nothing, in, but in the second inning. And we brought all the way back to eight to six. And that was the, I think that was the one. I think he even might have hit, either hit an RBI double that same at bat or just earlier in that game. But that was the first weekend he was on the team. And I think that was later in that game that he actually pitched and disrupt, or that maybe that was the next week. But that was right before he pitched, messed up, the, messed up his neck. And yeah. Right, exactly. And then it, yeah. but it was like he was six for like 15, six for 18, something like that heading into that game. He hits that foul ball. I think he had one hit in his next like 20 plate appearances. Yeah. So, you know, it really did, you know, turn on that. Um, you know, obviously there's other factors there too. But anyways, I, you know, I think that's something to watch. And then the group is the bullpen because, you know, I always joke with people that bullpens are like cats. Like you, you can't figure out what the heck they're going to do. <laughs> um, and, and that's that's really, you know, we know Diaz, right? Like I think we feel pretty confident at this point that he's going to be really, really yeah. good. But, you know, David Robertson, Brooks Raley, you bring in new guys and, you know, they obviously have some pedigree, but you just don't know what mix is going to work. And that really makes a huge difference, right? You know, I mean, that can change your whole season if that group comes together or not. It seems like on paper they should. Um, but I think that's the one I would look for as sort of an X factor of are they, you know, truly going to be setting up this bridge to Diaz where that's now a strength? Or is that something that they're still searching for and we're back to like we were last year where you're looking for a trade in season to, you know, to make a difference? Yeah, I mean, we're we're big proponents of you can never have too many arms. You can never have too much pitching. Like we we love the fact that maybe this isn't necessarily directly the bullpen, but that the Mets are like eight starting pitchers deep. And a lot of those starting pitchers, yeah. like a David Peterson or a Tyler McGill, can be used in the bullpen early on in the season if everything continues how it has, which I, it, it's such an interesting spot because as Mets fans, I feel like historically, at least in the last 20 years or so, we've never, we haven't felt comfortable with the bullpen in a very long time. And yeah, we right. found our guy in Diaz, like you said, and we're trying to find those other pieces to bridge them together. But realistically speaking, this should be a bullpen we are comfortable with, which is an unfamiliar feeling. Yeah, no, no, ab absolutely. And then, like you said, with the starter death, I mean, last year, it's like insane when you think they won 101 games and how few wins they got from the top guys in the rotation, right? And that was because they were getting like guys like, you know, Meagle coming through and it's like, where, 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 where do these wins even come from, right? Um, that's something that I worry about a little bit when you're replacing, you know, Walker and Bassett with Quintana and Senga. Like, we don't know, right? That is a yeah. pretty big question mark. And that was a lot of quality starts that you're now, you know, trying to uh, backfill. So, um, so we'll see, but they obviously have the depth that's there and you you always end out using it. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple months we're saying, oh, they, they somehow need to add an arm, which, which seems ridiculous now, but that's just how baseball works. Yeah, I remember when the offseason started, we did the math, and the Mets had lost 1,000 innings from the 2022 team when the, the second free agency began. Which is, and that's, and that's, again, even with, what, 70 from Jacob deGrom? Like, that, is such, that was such a daunting task. And it's so, it's so comforting this front office was able to put that together in the offseason. So I think, I mean, I'm still having fun here, but I think we're probably going to get closer to wrapping this up. So maybe, Jeff, if you give us like a bold prediction or just a general record prediction of this Mets team this year or something that's going to happen, anything fun. I mean, I think that the, the fun thing that we'll be watching on the side is obviously what happens to DeGrom versus what happens with Verlander, because <laughs> yeah. that, you know, you know, that's a, a big one where it's like to lose the pedigree of DeGrom and to think you could actually get like 
a significant increase this year just based on the amount he pitches. Um, but in my bold predictions, I think we're going to hit a, a rough stretch. Like I could see the Mets like having a, you know, a stretch where, um, you know, they're whatever, 26 and 20. And people are wondering like, what, you know, what's going on here? You know, is there a problem? You know, and, and then they, in you know, I'm writing in the newsletter. I always say it's more therapy that to people where it's like trying to calm everyone down. Like it's okay. Yep. Like it's a long season. Um, so I guess the bull prediction is just like, and it's not really bold, but it's just people who watch baseball well enough know, like, you know, it just because they spend all this money that everyone is obsessed about. But when you actually break down the money and I think, uh, Tim Britton and athletic did a good job this morning. Like, it's not like they, they added like Juan Soto and, you know, all these, and all these guys, like they pretty much brought back the team they had and they added an, an ace pitcher. Right. Um, so I could see them not reaching that one-on-one number, especially with the more balanced schedule. And I could see it being a little more of a, a struggle to get there, but I don't think by any means that, you know, that means that they won't be successful down the road. Like it's ironic that they won 101 last year and they lost to the Padres. They could win 89 this year, get into the playoffs and just have a better playoff run. And this team becomes more memorable. That's just how baseball works. But I I could see that totally happening. Yeah. And I mean, like the division's still very strong. Like you said, with the balanced schedule, it's like, it's good and it's bad because it takes games away from the Braves and Phillies. And we get to play the Tigers and the Royals a little bit more, but you also get to then play the Astros a little bit and the Blue Jays and all those good teams. And I mean, their, their rough patch or whatever came at the end of the year last year, like every team has one. So I feel like, I feel like, like you said, we've, we've talked about too on our podcast, like it's a therapy session sometimes after these games where it's like, Hey, it's 162 games. Everybody loses like 60. The best team in baseball loses about 60 games a year. Like you're going to hit those patches. It's it's about really how you finish. And hopefully they finish a little bit stronger than they did in the past. I had a little bit of a fun question that I wanted to ask you too before we wrap up here. Who is your favorite player on the team right now? And who's your favorite Met all time? Favorite Met all time is a, a random one. It's Ray Ordonez. Wow. Okay. I remember <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, um, growing up in Connecticut, all my friends were Red Sox Yankee fans. And it was obviously around that time you had Jeter and, and Nomar. The and I was, their shirts off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And I was the kid that, you know, was trying to make the case for Ray Ardonis on defense. So obviously he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't quite what those other guys were, but it was like, I just thought, you know, I brought up Frank Neal with the Knicks. I always liked the you know, the defensive side of it where it's just not as obvious. And, you know, but when you're watching, um, it's really neat to see, like, it's just not like how smooth he was like, you know, making plays. And I remember going to the opening day against the Cardinals where I guess that was his first game. I think when he, when he gunned down a guy from um, at home on a ball, to left field. So Ray Ardonias was, was my favorite Met. Um, the favorite current Met. That's a good question. Um, you know, I will say it's changed a little bit now that I write about them every day. You don't have the same, like when you're just a young kid and you're following the yeah. team and you're arguing with your buddies. Um, but it'd probably be Diaz just because of the path it took from the get here. And I was one that defended him a lot when, you know, people were coming out like, you know, he could save 10 games in a row. And it was like, what about in a big spot? I don't <laughs> trust him in a big spot. You know, you hear your mad dog going off or something. Right. And, um, and I was like, no, you know, all, everything says this guy is good. He's just had, you know, he had a, 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 some, sometimes he had some bad luck even on good pitches. 
uh, back then. But yeah, to see what he's become, and it, obviously it's, it's the whole thing around him coming into the game now, um, it, it's pretty neat. So so I'll say Diaz now. I want to follow up for the Raradonias. Is that also coincide with, say, like your favorite Mets teams of ever, your favorite Mets era? Yeah, I think like for, for a lot of us, I'm interested in what you guys think, but like it, it's always tough to match those original teams you grew up watching, right? When everything was new and, um, you know, you had, you just had a different perspective on it back then. Um, and it's actually an interesting topic I've talked to some of my friends about with this current team where it's like, you know, it changes when, I do think it changes a little bit when you're spending money to bring guys in. Like, you know, the Mets did re-sign Nimmo Diaz, he came from somewhere else, but like he's been here now for a while. So, you know, I don't count them as being like a whole team of like hired guns. Um, but it is a little different when you're the team with the biggest payroll versus when they were, when I first started following them, kind of more the lovable Mets. And it was like they're the complete opposite of the Yankees. And now the Yankees almost look at us like, oh, I wish we could be that. And that's, you know, that's a little different. So, so I think my favorite teams were those original, uh, you know, and then the Bobby Valentine years, you know, that that was like my prime time as a fan. Was it, are you guys similar in that time frame? I mean, that's like the first teams that we would ever remember just because of our age. Like I, I remember yeah. like the 2001, 2002, like Mets kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think it's it's hard not to love that 2015 team just because yeah, that no, was that like, too. Yeah. as like an adult and like being able to go to those games and experience them and like truly like have those deep memories that I'll never forget. I think that 2015 team will always have a special place in my heart. The 2015 team, the one thing about them though, was remembering like that team was actually pretty bad oh, for a whole, big stretch yeah. of that year. Right. So, cause I remember thinking like I grew up where I was, I was born in 83. So I missed 86. But okay. I, as all Mets fans, I had that a year to remember uh, video about <laughs> the 86 team and I would watch that. And it just seemed like, oh my God, if I was alive in eight or not alive, if I was like old enough in 86, that would be the best year. So then in yeah. 2015, when I went to the World Series, I'm like, that that wasn't like 86. Like that was like, yeah. you know, like they couldn't even score a run for like a month of that season where like it took you um, one to set up first being a superhero to to get to the yes. playoffs. Like that you talked about the lovable Mets. It's a little more of a lovable Mets team than, exactly than some of the other it. ones. No, that's exactly it. No. Yeah, that, that team basically had like a glorified first baseman playing shortstop every single day and just finding a way to drag to the World Series. But that, my team, when I really think about like the, the team that like really, I guess like ignited my passion was definitely 2006. And that team, I feel like if you had to compare, probably was a little bit more similar to the 86 team where there was this mix of like these incredibly, incredible homegrown talents, then these also these hired guns and you just wall to wall kind of dominated people. And then just the differences in the finishing there. But if there was no wildcard team, that team probably would have gone all the way. But that's just a difference in the rules that they set up. But that's definitely that's the one, like right, Reyes. Like that's the team that always comes back Delgado. to me like, in my mind. Yeah, Delgado, Pedro getting hurt. That was but <laughs> Wagner. That was the one though. That was it is amazing. Obviously, you know, the 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 final at bat there. But like if that game turns different with the catch in it, you know, like you had the iconic moments. Yep. Tiger stunk. Yeah, maybe that's a problem though. It's like it's almost so painful. Like, yeah, 2015 they lost, but you were surprised they got there. Yes. Um, and then you know, they the series was a bit quicker. 2006, I almost feel like because it's so painful, you're right. It was a it was a fun year, but it's almost like you can't go back to it because it was painful the way it ended. 
And it was like the first time I threw a chair. I think they when that when that pitch came in, I threw it an ottoman. I flipped it, and I was like, yeah, "Oh man, uh, I'm all in." My, my my first chair throw was 2007, the last game of the season, the Tom Glavin inning. That was my oh, first chair yeah, throw, and no, I think that, I don't, I don't even remember who hit made the final out that game. But it might have, it might have been Cliff Floyd put the ball to the wall in 2007. Or maybe it was Delgado, like right in front of those little like those stupid iron right. little bleachers in the back of Shea Stadium. And the yep, guy in yep. the Marlins just caught it right there. And I just took a li- like a little rocking chair hat since I was three years old. I picked it up over my head and slammed <laughs> it on the ground. And my parents were like, what are you doing? And I was like, do you see what just happened? <laughs> right. No, Lost. that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so see, all that stuff, we got to, um, I mean, this is the thing, though, about being good again, right? Like, they obviously had a, a stretch there after that run where they weren't even in contention. Well, now, you know, the, the flip side of being good, it's like when you fall in love, you get you, you can get your heart broke uh, versus yeah. if you're just dating. It's like, that. you know, we don't even know this season. We could be setting ourselves up. Who knows what's ahead of us? But um, you'd much rather be in it, I think, even if it's frustrating. Yeah, and I think that's what makes baseball great, too, is really at the end of the day, no matter how good the Mets look or how good any team looks in baseball, as cheesy and cliche as it is, you got you got to go out and play the games and you got to got to just win. Like, I mean, we've seen some of the teams that have won. Saw the Phillies that made it. They were like mediocre for most of the year. They got hot at the right time and they made it to the World Series. So I don't know. That's what, what we love about baseball. And that's also what's great about, you know, following Mets fix uh, is that every single day you'll be here and what's going on with the Mets if you choose to do it that way. Uh, give maybe one quick final shout out here to what you do over there and try and convince people to come come and join as well. No, yeah, I appreciate it. And people can find us. Just go on Twitter at Mets Fix and you can figure out how to sign up and everything from there. Um, but yeah, it's just a newsletter. It comes Monday to Friday by 8 a.m. Uh, we send it out. And like I said, you're going to get a rundown of everything that happened the day before. But then, you know, really unique in-depth analysis is where we try to differentiate ourselves, I guess. Um, so, so definitely come check us out. You can sign up for free and then, um, you know, there's different tiers from there. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you guys giving the chance to, to come on and talk about it and just, uh, reminisce about these, you know, we're all excited about the, the new team. Right. And then here we are talking rare Donias in 2006, but, um, that's all part of it, right? We carry all this stuff with us. And I think we're going to have to remind people this, especially now with the Mets, you know, they're going to be kind of the in vogue team, I think with, with the way things are going with Cohen. Um, and we'll all be reminding all the scars that, that we brought with us that uh, make it where, we, you know, we deserve this. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're not jumping on the bandwagon. We've been here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're Mets fans through and through. And there's, there's, a, there's a certain chip that every Mets fan should and will continue to have on their shoulders. And we're, and we're happy as some content creators are going to bring, bring a lot of content this year to help bring you guys to it. So, Jeff, thank you again. Everyone, please check out Mets Fix, incredible newsletter. And what a great conversation this was. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank you, guys.